0: Welcome to the career happiness podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I am a careers advisor and a career happiness mentor. This is the second season of the podcast. So if you haven't already listened to all 26 episodes from season one, please go back and check out the list of episodes that are relevant to you. In this season, we'll be talking to more exciting and interesting guests. I will be talking about job hunting and how you can get noticed more on LinkedIn and be more visible so that you can get a promotion and pay rise. We will also be looking at confidence, self worth, and also how you can be career happy in relation to your health and overall well being. So, if you are looking for some inspiration in your career and you want to move forward into the next phase for 2020, please stay tuned and listen to the podcast. Hey, everyone. And in today's episode, I interviewed the lovely Victoria Maskell. So this was a really, really interesting conversation. I had a lot of fun interviewing Victoria because she has a really, really high vibe energy about her anyway. I actually met her at a networking event a few years ago, and we had a really, really good old conversation about psychology. As many of you know, I'm always really interested in psychology anyway, as someone who studied psychology, and I incorporate a lot of psychology within the work that I do as a careers advisor. But um, what's really different about Victoria that I really, really love is she talks a lot about things like neuroplasticity, what hypnotherapy is what her work as a psychotherapist is really about, BWRT, which we kind of tap into more within the interview and I'll ask her what it what it is. So um, there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff here in linking with the brain, our decisions, our mindset, but also um, her journey of how she was a psychology teacher and um, in a secondary school and how she started her business because I think it's really, really interesting to know people's stories before they had a business. You know, I always kind of mentioned that, you know, we all have kind of an entrepreneurial um, aspect to our life before we start a business. And then those entrepreneurial skills that we that we learn, we then apply them to um, starting our business and being self employed. And we talk about a lot of different things in this episode which I definitely think you're going to find helpful in terms of career change, in terms of how you can stay motivated, especially if you're listening to this whilst we're in second lockdown. Um, For those of you who are future listeners, this is still going to be relevant to you, especially if you're not necessarily lacking motivation but you're feeling as though how can I get out of some of the mindset, you know, funks that I'm having. Victoria really, really gives some great tips and advice And she really explains what hypnotherapy is because there's a lot of misconceptions around it. And I feel that needs to be cleared up. And she always explains it in a really concise way as well. So I'll put some further links to things where you can find out more about her. But the other thing that I just wanted to say before I pass you along to the episode that we recorded is that I do have some one-to-one spots available to work with me. So if you're struggling right now with your career If you you have recently been made redundant or you feel like you need a little bit of career happiness um, coaching, then please get in touch with me. You can apply for a free 15 minute call and there is also a link to book a one hour consultation with me as well in the show notes. But without further ado, I'm going to pass you along to her and I hope you enjoy this episode. So hello everyone, I have a wonderful guest with me here today. Hey Victoria, how are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast.
0: It's not a problem at all. Um, kind of just before we started, we were kind of mentioning that obviously we met at a networking event quite a while ago. Do you remember that? Uh,
1: yeah, I remember we sat together at the end of the table and I can't, was it two years ago? I, I literally I can't so. even remember the time scale. Yeah. It's gone so quickly, but yeah, we sort of, I remember just chatting to you and thinking how lovely you were. and we've kept in touch, which, as we were saying, is sometimes quite rare in the business networking kind of space, so yeah, I'm looking forward to today.
0: Awesome, awesome. No, well, it was, I remember it as well. It was really nice, the kind of conversation we had and finding out more about you. So obviously, I know an awful lot about you, and I listen to your wonderful podcast, and you know, you're on my podcast today, so i always felt like quite and blessed with other podcasts oh. and a couple of my podcast but can you like um, tell us a little bit more about what you do? Certainly yeah so I'm Victoria Maskell I
1: am a mindset and manifestation coach and I basically help mainly women but men as well to overcome limiting beliefs whether that is in their personal life so maybe people who are dealing with anxiety or stress or fears And also I help people to build their businesses based on using their mindset. So my background is in psychology, but specifically, as we were just saying, psychology and cognitive neuroscience. So I'm trained in hypnotherapy, I'm trained in a technique called BWRT, which is absolutely amazing for changing mindset and changing your brain and how it is wired. But it all comes down to helping people to live their best lives by taking control of their mindset. Whether that's positivity, whether that's overcoming, you know, money blocks or fears or doubts or even things like imposter syndrome, it's all about allowing people to find that inner power and actually drive forward those goals and dreams. Whether that's making more money, starting a business, or just overcoming fears and anxieties that have been holding them back. So, whether it's manifestation courses or groups, or whether it's my podcast or one-to-one sessions, that's kind of what I do in a nutshell.
0: Awesome, awesome, Victoria, and I remember when we did chat at the event, you kind of um, educated me a bit about hypnotherapy, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I had a lot of misconceptions <laughs> in my head until I, until I met you, and I was talking to you, because, um, you know, you think of, and I'm not I'm not going to name drop to say anything in a bad way, you think of people like Paul McKenna, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's a lot of bad stereotypes with hypnotherapy, isn't there? Yeah, um, oh. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of ask you then so that, you know, you can educate our audience today, because you explain it in such a um, succinct way that I feel, you know, which is why I wanted you to come on the podcast. What is hypnotherapy and why do you think there are so many misconceptions about it? Such a great question, because you're
1: so right. The, The modern kind of view that we have of hypnotherapy is people on a stage dropping their trousers, clucking like chickens doing embarrassing things and we have this perception that it's mind control we have this perception that hypnosis or hypnotherapy is a therapist which even that word therapist makes some people (laughs) shudder they're like oh god therapist um I promise we're all nice um I don't know if I can say that it's a bit of a (laughs) sweeping statement but we have this misconception that the therapist the hypnotist whatever word you want to use is controlling you. But actually that is the biggest misconception because technically all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So if I had someone either online or or in my practice room going into hypnosis, they make the decision whether they go into it. And all it really is, is a deep relaxed state, but not a relaxed state where you're knocked out or you're unconscious or you're in trance. So I personally don't use that word. When hypnosis first was started by, and it was called like mesmerism, so like you're mesmerized, the word that was used often was trance. Now I don't use that word because to me, trance sounds like you are under someone else's power. And we don't like that as human beings. We don't like the idea of being controlled. So hypnosis or hypnotherapy is always really self-hypnosis. And it's like you tune out that bit of your mind that's going, did I, did I feed the cat? Have I replied to that email? Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, have I put the heating on? Did I pay that bill? Did, you know, that sort of mental chatter. It's like that gets put on pause and actually your subconscious mind, which is the powerhouse of everything we do, comes to the forefront and it just listens to positive suggestions. So it's about being in a lovely, calm, relaxed state and listening to positive things that will help you Feel better depending whether that's you know stopping smoking overcoming imposter syndrome um seeing yourself visualizing achieving that goal in your business or in your career really it is just a deep state of relaxation and i think to touch on the bit you said about the misconceptions um i think it's because number one the word trance number two i think it has an element where it has been sensationalized on tv and as you said there's nothing wrong with that but hypnosis in a therapeutic setting versus stage hypnosis for entertainment purposes are quite different.
0: Okay. What, what is the difference then, if you don't want me asking to kind of delve in a bit more into that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So number one, if you are in a hypnosis session, you are usually, you, we don't do group sessions, generally speaking, it's, it's one-to-one. And it's about you, it's about your life, what you want to change, how you want to feel. So unless you are the kind of person that intentionally wants to be clucking like a chicken when someone clicks their fingers, it's never gonna have that kind of impact. Now, if you've ever watched, um, you obviously mentioned Paul McKenna, if you ever watch or have been to any shows uh, and seen Darren Brown, he is incredible. Whether he calls himself a a hypnotist, a hypnotherapist. And actually, let me just touch on that bit point. I would call myself a hypnotherapist, but some people, for example, in America, who do exactly the same thing as me, would be classified as a hypnotist. And part of that is because of the legalities around being a therapist in certain countries. So in the UK, to be a therapist, you don't have to be a medical practitioner. You don't have to have Mm -hmm. a medical degree it's slightly different in the States. So if you hear someone saying they're a hypnotist, sometimes that's because they do stage hypnosis, but really hypnotist, hypnotherapist are the same thing. Um, But yeah, so the Darren Brown star, you know, he isn't going to get a massive audience for people watching someone overcome a fear or a phobia, maybe, Mm -hmm. or let go of imposter syndrome, but watching someone drink vinegar like it was Coke or sit in a bath of ice, when actually they're going, no, it's really warm. I don't know if you've seen any of those. There's some, there's some great- mm-hmm. it's, it's more, it's the exact same mental process, but it's with a different result as in it's for people to watch. Whereas in a therapy setting, it's just you and the therapist. There's nothing, you're not doing it for that outcome. So the actual mental processes is very, very, very similar. Um, your brain waves are changing into an alpha or a theta state to show that you're into this deep state of hypnosis and and in normal hypnosis i've heard of people um, giving suggestions as part of an experiment to show the power of hypnosis giving suggestions that someone develops um uh like a blister on their arm and then that giving suggestions for that blister to actually heal and and all of that could be in theory done through hypnosis so the power of it is incredible but i think on a general basis it's more about deep relaxation overcoming mental blocks, rewiring your brain, and actually tapping into that
0: powerhouse that is the subconscious. Yeah, that's very, really, really interesting, Victoria. Really interesting. I, find it interesting. Like, yeah. I love it. Fascinating. Um, obviously, when we first met as well, you also spoke a little bit, and you've already mentioned it at the beginning um, as well, about BWRT, Brain Working Recursive Therapy. Yes, can you kind of explain a little bit more about what this is and how it can help individuals?
1: Definitely. So this technique in is relatively new in that it came about in about twenty twelve, but it was developed by someone who had thirty thousand hours of hypnosis knowledge and experience. So it was kind of the brainchild, if you like, of all the stuff we knew about hypnosis and the subconscious mind. So Bwrt is one of the Fastest ways to transform how you think about something. So it came about because we realized in the sort of therapeutic world, not me personally, um, that a lot of the actions we take come from our subconscious. So, Soma, if you were sitting opposite me right now and I threw a biro at you, I know it's very mean, but if I threw this biro at you, what would you do?
0: Lynch, obviously, fall yeah. over.
1: Yeah. You know, Lynch, wow. You'd catch it. You'd be like, yeah. what? But you wouldn't have to consciously think about that action, would you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You would just do it in instinct. In the same way that if you're driving in your car and a pigeon runs out into the road, you break, you just do it. Yeah. Um, And that is because our subconscious mind stores so much information. It's like when we go on autopilot, everything's been transferred over to the subconscious, we just act. But what was realized was actually things like anxiety, they start in a deeper part of the mind. So something in your environment, a sight, a sound, a smell, might trigger this anxiety pathway that starts the uh, chain reaction, if you like, of um, neural connections. And then it takes about 10th of a second before you're even consciously aware of that. So basically we make decisions on a subconscious level before we're consciously aware. So if anyone listening to this has ever felt anxiety or panic and maybe people around them have said oh yeah you'll be fine just don't think about it (laughs) it's whilst that is very well meaning um it it doesn't really help because we're not thinking about anxiety when it starts the subconscious Mm. mind is creating it so in the same way that you know if you smell like a coconutty smell you're instantly brought back to a holiday because you're like oh it smells like sun cream or it smells like that candle or that perfume that decision to act, to think in that way comes from the subconscious. So BWRT is about saying, right, I have a, a feeling that doesn't serve me. I have an emotion tied to a memory or an event that cr- gives me anxiety or frustration or anger. And what it does is it says, right, we'll fire up that neural pathway, then we're going to put a roadblock in it and we're going to divert to how you want to feel instead. And The reason it is so rapid is because you are literally rewiring your brain to how you want to think. And I've actually had clients go at the start of a session, be in floods of tears over a really powerful, painful memory. And then at the end of the session, when I've gone back and said, well, go back to that memory. Tell me how it feels. Tell me what it looks like. How strong is the emotion? Um, And they just have this look on their face of kind of what? And I know you can't see me right now, but they're sort of searching as if to say, well, I can't feel it. All I can remember is whatever they've chosen. And that is why BWRT can be so rapid, because it is like saying that thought, that feeling, that emotion does not serve me. And I want to feel like this instead. And it's like replacing one for the other. So BWRT, I would strongly urge anyone who is interested just to just to look it up, because there is such a wealth of positive information around it. Um, and I love using it. Absolutely love it.
0: It sounds really, really powerful. And for a lot of the um, clients I've had, Victoria and the women that come to me, you know, that anxiety is rife for them because, you know, they're in stressful work environments and they want to be in a place of, of happiness um, and have a more fulfilled career. So it sounds really, really interesting. And I, and I suffer from periods of anxiety myself I mean obviously when I spoke to you I heard about it but the way you explained it, it's really interesting thank you for sharing that
1: you're welcome and I think just to touch on that if you don't mind mm-hmm. yeah, uh, sure. I think anxiety is part of do I dare say it's part of modern society mm-hmm. um, and it's because very well put, of, yeah. and I think it's It's something that it's important that we talk about. It's important that we start to normalize it. And by that I don't mean marginalize. I don't don't mean to say, oh, well, you know, everyone suffers from anxiety. (laughs) Or that we should talk about it and actually say, well, maybe there are ways to feel better. Because for for the people you work with, if they are in stressful jobs, maybe if something has happened in the past, um, an interview or they've had Mm -hmm. struggles with a work colleague, that gets bedded into the subconscious and that means that whenever they go for another interview or they consider going for a promotion or or something like that, that wiring still exists and it can make us doubt ourselves. It can make us hold ourselves back. And ultimately, what I see certainly is people stop taking certain actions, but Mm -hmm. something like BWRT or any of the techniques that are out there can actually help you let go of those feelings so that you can move forward and sort of, yeah, fulfill fulfill what you truly want to do and not be dragged into this anxiety cycle because um, the reason we have it is it was useful to us in sort of prehistoric caveman times if we didn't have this subconscious part of our mind that was based on survival we wouldn't have survived but the problem is then you know the anxiety was oh my goodness there is a lion i'm gonna get eaten (laughs) or oh should i eat those berries have we had them before could they be poisonous um and and actually even sorry i know i'm I'm, but i just wanted to touch on this idea Mm -hmm. as well a big thing for everyone in whatever walk of life they're in is rejection whether that's rejection Mm. whether that's rejection on social media whether that's rejection in romantic relationships or friendships it affects so many of us because when we were back in those caves rejection literally meant the lack of survival because if you weren't part of your tribe if you weren't protected you pretty much died because you needed to be supported so the men were the hunter gatherers they went out to get the food the women stayed in the cave they nurtured they looked after no matter your gender if you were pushed out of the tribe you were out on your own and that part has been left with us evolution hasn't got rid of that yet it's just meant that in modern society, the ways we could be rejected are different, but we're, we're still left with that feeling that ultimately creates anxiety.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, um, Victoria. And I think, you know, obviously, whilst we're recording this, the year of 2020, where lots has happened and we're going to talk more about that um, in a bit. Um, it's definitely relatable. Um One of the things that I wanted to ask you because you know I've already mentioned that I really like listening to your um, podcast and it's actually helped me challenge some of my misconceptions about our brain because I studied psychology as well but I think sometimes you know I forget a lot of the things I study and I don't go back to it. I do but I don't always but I didn't know about neuroplasticity and I know you speak about it quite a lot in your solo episodes but can you kind of tell us a little bit about more, like more about what neuroplasticity is, Victoria? Definitely. It's one of my favorite
1: things to talk about. So before we had this current understanding of neuroplasticity, um, scientists, psychologists used to think that after adolescence our brains were pretty much fixed. They were fixed and formed in the way in the way that they are. And so what they noticed was children, if they, had, um, if they had a trauma, if they had an accident, something that affected their brain, their brain was plastic, meaning that it could change and it could adapt. So if they had damage to the language center of their brain, a different part in another hemisphere, in the other hemisphere, sorry, the right hemisphere could actually take on those roles and they could redevelop language. But what they were seeing was in adults, that was much harder or less likely. What we now know is that actually, our brains are far more plastic than we realized. And plastic meaning moldable, changeable. So you know that that classic phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? We know that's not true because of neuroplasticity. Mm. So if I give you an example, um, a little analogy maybe, If you think of our brain is made up of billions of neural connections, and those neural connections are a little bit like paths or roads. So the thoughts we constantly think or the habits that we constantly do are like motorways. They're super fast, super rapid, and they're really, really strong, whereas things that we maybe don't use anymore. So. Um, I don't know, I used to do a lot of gymnastics and ballet and uh, I haven't used those muscles in a very long time. (laughs) So those mental areas, if you like, are like little country roads. They still exist, but they are slow and small and sort of bumpy and difficult. Now, your brain wants things to be easy. It loves habits. So we start thinking the same thoughts. We start taking the same actions. Um, People listening to this are probably noticing that maybe they have a morning routine. So first thing in the morning, they check their emails or they go and brush their teeth or they make a cup of coffee. And it's almost like without realizing it, we're doing it. That is because the brain strengthens those connections. Now, neuroplasticity comes in when you want to make any changes. So let's say you want to be more confident. And right now, your confidence pathway is this teeny tiny little windy country lane. And you're lack of confidence road is this huge motorway what you need to do is you need to strengthen that confidence pathway and people used to think it wasn't possible they're like well you're just not a confident person or you're just not good at juggling or i don't know riding a bike or whatever but with neuroplasticity we now know that the brain starts to shift and change and we can actually strengthen certain connections and allow others to wither. so I love this term. There's called something called synaptic pruning. So I picture like a little gardener that goes around your brain and goes, oh, we don't really use that pathway. Okay, chop that off. Um, but we also have something called axonal sprouting. So think of your garden blooming and blossoming. That axonal sprouting can actually help you to develop new skills, to develop new thoughts and new ways of thinking and doing things. So neuroplasticity, can be as simple as repeating affirmations or trying a new skill or trying to think in a different way you are reinforcing the synaptic connections that you want so that that idea or habit becomes more like a motorway becomes faster becomes your more natural response so that's kind of neuroplasticity in a nutshell
0: okay really 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 interesting and I think um you know, one of the reasons why um, it really kind of challenged me, Victoria, is sometimes we can, well, me especially, um, you know, I, I can feel like, you know, when I hear these things, oh, it sounds very interesting, but is it, you know, does it exist? And when I did a bit more reading into it, I found that there was a lot of evidence and you uh, mentioned a couple of studies as well, which I found interesting as well in your podcast was it the uh, the Maguire taxi study yes that's the yeah. study that you mentioned. I remember it was really interesting
1: yeah if anyone's interested if you type in something like Maguire taxi study um it will give you the information but basically if you live in London you might have heard of something called the knowledge that um London cabbies taxi drivers have to take and I just I can't even get my head around it the amount <laughs> of information They have to learn and be able to reproduce. It's just insane. And what they found was when they did a brain scan before and after, they actually found increased matter in the area of the brain that deals with spatial awareness after they had taken this test. So that is neuroplasticity. Their brains physically changed to adapt to what they needed to do to those skills and they're not doing this when they're sort of 15 because this, mm. this is the old thinking it was like well yeah if you learn something when you're young it's easy which is so true if you think of children who grow up in um, multilingual bilingual households they pick up languages so quickly mm. it is slightly slower when we're older yes but the big misconception I think is that it's not possible that in, in itself is just a mindset and if you go into anything saying, well, I'm X age now, it's probably not going to happen. Oh, well, no, it's probably not. In the same way, you know, if you go into hypnosis, going, oh, this is nonsense, it's not going to feel any better. You might not feel any better because you've made a decision that it is not going to be beneficial for you.
0: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Def- well, it's definitely helped me think a little bit more openly. And I, I have quite an open mindset anyway um so but I always love learning about all these things but that's really interesting thank you so much for sharing that um one of the other questions I wanted to ask you um is before you had um your business you were a teacher Mm. and um it'd be really interesting to kind of find out a little bit more about what your experiences were working as a teacher and why do you think um teaching as a profession you know so many people kind of leave it to pursue something new
1: Yeah, this is a great question and I, so I remember sitting in sixth form as a a pupil saying on my last day of school saying I loved school, it was amazing but I would never want to be a teacher (laughs) and I did like 10 years of teaching but what happened was I went to uni, studied psychology, uh, then went to do a PhD and when I was doing that um, in psychology I had this opportunity to go and support in um, schools that needed specialist psychology teachers because at the time, um, it was hard to get a psychology specialist because a psychology Mm -hmm. um, uh, PGCE didn't exist, et cetera. So I started it and I thought, oh gosh, I really love this. Um, It it came very out of the blue. Um, I think when I started, I was probably 23, 24, that kind of age. And obviously I didn't have a partner, I didn't have a family. I was able to dedicate my life to it pretty much. And I just think teaching is an incredibly rewarding profession. Like, yes, there's lots of planning and lots of marking and lots of stuff that I'll probably touch on in a second. But because of where I was in my life, I was able to give my all to it. Um, And I think teaching as a profession it's really difficult to have a work-life balance with. And I'm sure that exists in so. Well, having your own business. Sometimes it's hard to have a work-life balance. <laughs> um, I think because I was so passionate about my subject. Um, and it was just, it's just so amazing when you get people listening, I don't know, to a psychology experiment or a theory. And they're like, wow, I never knew that. And seeing that is just absolutely amazing. I think as I got older and my life started to shift, it became more and more difficult to have a life outside of teaching because teaching is, is, is never done. Um, there's always an extra resource you could make that you could always plan a lesson in more depth or you could create something new. There's always marking, there's always CPD. And I think the teaching profession potentially doesn't give people the opportunity to switch off in the way that we need to as human beings. Um, Because you don't really go into teaching, I don't think, if you don't either love your subject or have a passion about learning and education. Um, And I think the problem is you can get so wrapped up into it that it's like, the way I used to describe it was in term time as a teacher, you're on the treadmill and you are sprinting. You might be at your desk at 7.30 in the morning, you might be marking till 10 o'clock at night. You might even be in on the weekends, you're creating displays, you're, you know, you're going for it. And then the holidays come and it's like you can fall asleep, you can relax, but then you have to go again. And some people love that. Some people absolutely love that pace. But I think the reason why so many people are leaving is because we live in a society where we want the freedom to choose. Um, We want to choose where we work. We want to choose the hours we work. Um, And as silly as it sounds, you get amazing holidays as a teacher completely. But if you are in that, particularly in that autumn term, if you are feeling burnt out, you can't take a day off. You can't get off the treadmill, um, and I have done sort of other jobs in the past. And obviously, I, I was lucky to be able to kind of say, "Well, I need to book a holiday day." You don't get that in teaching,
0: mm.
1: and I think for me, that was the that was one of the tipping points. You know, you'd be so exhausted. Um, I knew one colleague who was an incredible teacher, and I remember chatting to her in the staff room one morning, and um, she was taking some headache tablets. And I just, "Oh, have you got a headache?" And she said, oh yeah, no, I, I take them every morning. And I was like, oh, and uh, she sort of said, oh, well, you know, I probably don't get to sleep till midnight by the time I've done all the stuff with the kids and I've um, done my marking and my planning and I'm usually up at five. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, and and this, is, this wasn't someone who was badly organized. This wasn't someone who was using their time badly. This was someone who had a family, children and was an incredible teacher. And I think that was a bit of a shock for me because I thought, I don't think I want the lifestyle where I'm going to bed at midnight and getting up at five. And I know again, some people in other careers probably do that. Yeah. But I think, I think that's what it is. I think people are, and I think the other thing is if you go into it, loving your subject, you want to teach your subject, you want to be in that classroom. As you progress in teaching, you come out of the classroom more and more and I think that's disconcerting for people because they're like, oh, and and you end up having less and less time to plan a lesson because mm-hmm. there's so much there's so many other demands. So if anyone is thinking of going into teaching, I think it's amazing. I think it's so rewarding. I think it's absolutely incredible. I sort of uh, ran ran the course. I think I got so much out of it, so many amazing experiences, but it just. I just came to that point when I knew I'd always wanted my own business. And I thought, if I don't do it now, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, what was really interesting listening to you there, Victoria, it mirrors a lot of what happened to my own mum, if I can be oh, honest. Because really? she, she was a primary school teacher. Oh, and wow. she just qualified just literally not I'm not saying this to, you know, somber the mood, but basically, she just qualified and then my dad died literally like, Oh within God. that time frame and she was very young she wasn't even 40 when <gasps> it happened
1: Oh my God. yeah
0: and she dedicated her her life to teaching in fact she's semi-retired and she still teaches <laughs> yeah it doesn't surprise me <laughs> um so wow. she absolutely loves her profession but she didn't look after her health she was burnt out she's had a lot of heart problems and all that stuff you were talking about with the ballads planning she would go to sleep at literally like maybe one o'clock at night so she managed to do everything she'd come home she'd cook you know she'd spend time with me and my sister and then like i'd be in bed by 10 when i was like in secondary school but yeah she was still working and she'd get up at 4 5 o'clock in the morning and Um, make my breakfast for me and you know it's like she was super mum. but yeah i was just a detriment do you understand what i mean to her detriment because she had about three or four heart attacks wow yeah
1: um, and and that in it's that I don't actually think that's uncommon in yeah. teaching and I think that in itself is scary like your mom is literally superwoman like <laughs> to be able to do all of that and I think I realized I'm not superwoman yeah. <laughs> I take my hat off to anyone and actually I think in a way primary school is even worse mm-hmm. and I've got a great friend who's a primary school teacher and we joke about this, but it's it's a crazy reality. Mm-hmm. She cannot drink very much in the day because she actually can't go to the toilet when she mm-hmm. wants to. So anyone who's in an office job, I know it's incredibly hectic and pressured, yeah. 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 but yeah. you could leave your desk and go to the toilet if you wanted to. Primary school teachers can't yeah. do that they cannot leave a classroom of 30 children mm-hmm. and you know even her break time sometimes she has to be on break duty and I just mm-hmm. I take my hat off to anyone who does it because
0: yeah. it, it,
1: but also I think we have to remember that our bodies our health our mindset mm-hmm. have to come first
0: mm-hmm. because
1: this what you've just described as your mum, like she was super mum, but obviously it had a really painful powerful effect on her body
0: yeah, no, it did. And I think um, when I asked her about why do you think so many teachers are leaving? She, she said to me that she thinks it's because it's the same issue. Like there's not that necessarily that extra support that's needed to challenge the planning yeah. and the marking. But it's just it's so interesting because even though um, she was at, like she's like working in secondary schools now, teaching Bengali, so she was a primary <laughs> school teacher and now she's become... A secondary teacher and in between she taught dyslexia at university so it's a very wide career Amazing. Um, yeah really really I'm, I'm the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think a lot of people think that when you're in teaching you have to just stick to the one thing but, yeah. but I mean I know you you do a lot of teaching in your in your business and that's why I'm saying this a skill that is so transferable but it's so interesting hearing what you're saying because I, I do think that it's the overwhelm and the burnout that that has a contributing factor. But thank you for sharing that so openly. Really interesting. Um so kind of moving on Victoria, I'd really kind of love to know because I know that you have you have a Facebook group, don't you, where you kind of share quite a lot of your support and wisdom. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. I've got a Facebook group called Next Level Business Mindset. So for anyone who's thinking of starting a business, has a small business, has a side hustle and kind of wants the mindset support, wants a group of people on the same sort of journey. Yeah. So that's, that's just one, that's the free Facebook group I have.
0: Okay, cool. So obviously, I mean, whilst we're recording this for future listeners, I still think there's going to be some relevance, to be honest, as to what I'm going to ask you next, but how are you kind of, you know, supporting your clients and people who are in your online community at this time? You know, and I especially wanted to ask you this because a lot of people aren't dealing with what's going on right now, and there's there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah, it's it's literally a crazy time. That's that's the only way I can describe it. And I think it would be completely wrong of me to say that I've sailed through this this year. I haven't. I've been very lucky on a business perspective, but actually, one of the slightly lurking anxieties that I've always had has been around germs and. Uh, <laughs> 2020 has been a year where you kind of haven't been able to get away from this uh, the germs word the viruses word um so i think the way i've been kind of supporting people has been number one listening number one opening up conversations where it's okay to say they're struggling you know um sometimes when we're talking about business stuff obviously people are physically needing to pivot their businesses um, You know, if someone was a chiropractor during certain periods of this year, they physically couldn't run their business. Um, I had a one to one client who is a skin specialist. So 80 percent of her business was face to face with clients. And so a lot of the stuff we've talked about is about looking for new opportunities, pivoting, saying like, okay, what is the benefit from this? But I think the very first thing I've done with pretty much anyone is to open up a conversation of how are you really feeling? What is actually going on? Let's get it out, let's talk about it, let's cry, let's shout, let's talk about the frustration because I'm a big believer that what we resist persists. So I I would, I know again, you can't see me, but on my wall behind me, I have the classic good vibes only post, but I never mean good vibes only to say, you can't think a negative thought, you can't have a negative emotion. Because I think that in itself is pretty toxic. Um, so I think in terms of support, it's about getting the feelings out. If people are scared, let's talk about it. If people are anxious, let's say, you know, and then from that place, once you process that, you can take a step back and go, okay, so I can't do this element of my business now, or I need to work from home. Where are the benefits going to come from? How can I solve a new problem for my clients? Or how can I, Um, work with people in a different way Um, and I know we're recording this on Zoom but Zoom has just been like Mm -hmm. a lifesaver this year because I'm still doing all of my therapy sessions my one-to-one coaching as well online so it's brilliant I've you know I can work with people in Australia I can work with people in Spain I can work with people in Mm -hmm. anywhere in the country and actually just seeing that you go oh okay um I've had so many people say things like Well, actually, I'm saving 250 pounds a month because I'm not commuting anymore or they're getting better sleep. They're exercising more. Um, And actually, I think it's I think what I'm saying is it's important to talk about how you're feeling. If that's negative, get it out, get it on paper, talk it through with someone, be okay with being those negative feelings. But then you can step back and go, okay. so what's the new plan? Where's the path? Where's, where's Where are the benefits that I can claw from this situation to see a way to move forward? Because things will get better. Of course they will. Um, but I don't think we should feel we have to go, it'll all be fine instantly. But it's also important to allow ourselves to see that benefits can come out of this Um, and a very silly example in the big scheme of things but we were just touching on it before we started recording this Mm. when i applied to university i applied for psychology degrees in all the different universities my top Mm. university was nottingham they came back to me and basically said they didn't say completely no but they kind of said would you be interested in actually applying for psychology and cognitive neuroscience And at the time, I was so disheartened. I was so disappointed because I was like, oh, they don't want me for psychology and that's my top choice. And in the end, I thought, right, but Nottingham is a really great university. I'll go for Mm it. Turned out to be the best thing ever. I loved my degree. I love that I've got cognitive neuroscience as part of my knowledge base. It helps me understand neuroplasticity. It helps me as a coach, helps me as a therapist. So whilst I know that is not the same as the pandemic, I just wanted to use that as an example of what sometimes in the moment seems like a door's closed Mm. often it's because another door is opening and that can lead you to amazing positive opportunities
0: yeah no definitely Victoria I mean I think everything happens for a reason I'm a firm believer in that and that's why I created this podcast and I have my business and it's been a real pleasure interviewing you today I've had so much fun oh thank
1: you thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it it's lovely to chat to you as well
0: where can people kind of connect with you and find you online though? Where do you mainly hang out? Oh,
1: I'm always on Instagram. So um, Instagram is my favorite social media platform um, and you can find me at victoria.maskell. But if you're not a social media person, um, I've got a website, which is victoriamaskell.com or you can just send me an email, which again is victoria at Victoriamaskell.com. everything is basically my name so uh, <laughs> if you put that into a search you should find me but instagram is is my favorite place
0: okay so i'll make sure that i put kind of all those details in the show note when uh, the episode goes out but thank you so much again for coming on and um i hope you enjoyed it as well
1: oh i loved it i love it and thank you so much for asking me such amazing questions and allowing me to waffle on about the brain the mindset stuff i just love it
0: Thanks again, Victoria. I'll see you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It means so much that you listen to this podcast and if you think this has made a difference to your day, please share it with someone else that you know. If you haven't already, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. If you want to find out more about The Career Happiness Mentor, please subscribe to our newsletter or email me. All the details are in the show notes.